you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Seems like a month since we got to do this, doesn't it? It's kind of nuts. Well, listen, uh, I'm Pastor Greg, and we wanna, I want to welcome you and welcome those of you joining us online. It's, it's really good to be able to take a moment, right? Breathe a minute in God's presence and focus our hearts on Him. So I want to make sure that, uh, that you're in the loop. So uh, if you do not get an email from me called the Saturday Bulletin, that's an important thing. That's a, a way that we communicate messages. Also, we'll uh, send texts occasionally about things. Uh, so if you, haven't, if you aren't getting that and you would like to get that, um, there's communication cards in the seats that you can fill out and put that in the basket at the welcome table. So we would, we would ask you to do that. If you're online, you can go to our website, and there's a button on the home page that says Connect Here, and you can fill out the card online. So we invite you to do that just to be in the loop with what's happening at Living Streams because from week to week, you never know, right, <laughs> what's, what's going on. So important to be in, in, in the loop. Uh, this week, we've got a silent night going on here. Um, on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to be able to come in, spread out, no talking, just praying. It'll be a guided Christmas meditation, some things to read, things to jot down. Um, so we'll have plenty of room to spread out. We'll have the doors open, the Christmas music playing, and a moment of peace. So you're invited to uh, to come come to that. On Wednesday. Today we're going to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. So if you came in and you didn't get the upgraded communion elements, um, you want to get those um, if you uh, if you want to celebrate communion. So we're going to do that uh, during the, during the message. And so let me explain a little bit about the order of our service today. Um, so we we flipped it. So we're putting all the singing at the end. Um, and the reason that we're doing that is because when we sing, that's when we express what's in our bodies, in the air. So we make a cloud. And, you know, it might be a cloud of germs. So we're going to do that at the end, and then we're going to leave. So we're not sitting in the cloud of germs and thinking about it. So that's what we're doing. So uh, we'll see how it goes. It's actually really messing with me, Randy. You know, flipping the order of service. I'm like, wow, i, I got to get up there and preach, like, right away. Um, so... Anyway, when we come in, we're going to just ask you not to sing the first song. And then we'll put all that at the end of the service and hopefully do some things that uh, do all we can do to be safe when we're in here. Um, I can I can tell you that uh, Joe Wilson, uh, he is the man who uh, got COVID and uh, he tested positive for that a week ago on Wednesday, I think. And uh, he's doing well. And his wife also is positive, and she is doing doing well. So continue to pray for them, um, and uh, and every, anyone else that you know who's struggling with with that. It's it's a, it's a strange thing that we're going through right now. <clears throat> you can take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter one. And we're going to do some some reading in there during the message. If there's any kids in the house, they can go back to class um, this morning. Um, I titled the series, uh, this Advent series, uh, Christmas with COVID, you know, and I was thinking, I, I debated about that title because I thought, you know, 
Uh, do I want to keep putting COVID out there in front of us? It's out there in front of us. But then I thought, I'll never get to do this again. So I was like, yes, it's going to be Christmas with COVID. And then I thought, we're going to use this time to rescue Christmas from this crisis. You know, that was the idea. And then after last week and, and thinking about the hope that we get from Christmas, I thought, that's not what is happening at all. What is happening is Christmas is rescuing us from COVID. And so we're going to let that be the theme of our weeks together. And today we're going to think about joy. And uh, joy might seem to be like this impossible uh, task uh, right now during uh, Christmas uh, with, with COVID, you know, during these days of Advent. I mean, we've got disappointments, um, you know, right and left. We've got frustration, you know, patience, patience, patience is short. You know, when you go out, it's just, you, you know, people are upset with each other just like that. And time is short. I mean, Randy said, this is the third Sunday of Advent already. And so Christmas is coming and it's coming fast and then it's going to be here and gone. And some of you might be saying, yes, let's get it over with. Let's just grin and bear this thing and get to 2021 when everything, you know, we got the vaccine. Uh, we got a, a government settled down. You know, all that stuff's coming. Um, so let's just get to that. But I want to say not so fast. Because Christmas, can, it has the ability to produce joy in our life. You know, something not coming from us, but coming from the Christmas story, if we'll let Emmanuel guide us in our celebration. So we're going to start with just one verse this morning, um, just one verse, and we're going to let that prove itself out in the story of Jesus' birth and, and in our lives as we think about joy. Here's the verse, Psalm 1611. Okay, so let's, let's just read this. Read this together, all right? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for this time that we have together to come and remind ourselves of the truths uh, that we believe in, of the things that we are celebrating at this time of year and, and what it means for us Every day of the year. And so, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you'd use this time here and, and over the wire uh, to speak to our hearts, uh, to, to have us enter in to your presence and to experience that fullness of joy that Psalm 1611 is promising. Thank you that uh, your Holy Spirit is within us, that there's that there is that fruit of joy that he produces that we don't have to muster up no matter what's going on in our lives. He can produce that fruit. And so we pray for that, Lord, today, no matter what's happening in, in our lives today. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're doing Christmas with COVID, and there's just some things that we can't count on. We've already crossed them off on the calendar. We canceled the Christmas tea for the ladies, you know, on Saturday. So, you know, there's things that produce joy in our lives that we can't count on this Christmas. And so we can't do anything about that. And since we can't do anything about that, we want to try and do some things that, you know, that the word leads us to do. Um, to, to be able to count on on joy because of what the word says. Um, so... There's a recipe for joy right there in Psalm 16:11. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. So we know God is 
omnipresent. He is everywhere, all at the same time. But we also know that um, as Christians, we are not living in a perpetual state of the fullness of joy as our lives testify to it. Um, so what, is this, what does this mean? Well, in the Bible, God, you can find promises of God making, uh, making promises about him being present in our lives in a way that we can know in a special way. So anytime you get that knowledge that God is present, right, like in the moment, right now, there is a automatic moment of joy. And it's a full joy. I mean, anytime you got Emmanuel, and it's like not just the name that you celebrate, but it's like real. It's joy. Like, like just like that. So Mary's part of the Christmas story is going to provide some evidence for joy. That what Psalm 1611 is, it says is true. Okay, so we're going we're to read there. We're going to read some things about what she goes through to remind ourselves what she's going through. And then, um, and then to hear this evidence again. So I'm going to read a good bit of it. Um, so, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 here to start. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And we will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So remember this. When the angel comes to visit Mary... Um, she is betrothed to a man named Joseph. Um, she is thought to be a young teenager. And she's, so she's still living at home with her parents. And uh, in the eyes of the community, she's seen as a married woman. Okay, so those are some facts about Mary's life. So the angel comes to her and he's giving her some troubling news, but also some, also some miraculous news, something to believe. She was going to become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing news to get. And then she's given uh, some, something else. She's told that her elderly cousin Elizabeth is in her sixth month. This woman who'd been barren her whole life was now carrying a child. I see that as a gift of God's grace to Mary to help her believe what is going to happen to her. At the end of the conversation, Mary submits to, to God's will in her life. And I 
thought that she then went about making travel plans to go see um, Elizabeth, you know, like right away. So then, so she goes to see Elizabeth, and that's what we read next in verses 39 to 45. She gets to Elizabeth's house. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my, in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So this is where the joy starts bubbling up. This is a this is a fullness of joy moment right here. So Mary goes to Elizabeth's home. She greets her as soon as as soon as Elizabeth's baby um, hears the greeting. As soon as he comes into the presence, he does a backflip in the womb. You know, and it, it, it described as a leap for joy. And then the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth, and she starts shouting the joy. Uh, of what was going on inside of Mary. And then Mary, she can't hold it in, and she goes on into this song of praise. And that starts in verse 46, and it goes to 55. Here's just an excerpt, uh, 46 to uh, 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So this is an ecstatic joy. It doesn't get any more joyful than this right here in your life. I mean, this is as joyful as as it gets. Where's it all coming from? Well, the Holy Spirit is giving them all the knowledge that they are in the presence of the Lord Jesus. So if you've ever wondered what the fruit of joy looks like in your life when the Holy Spirit produces it, I mean, this is a really good example. A baby leaps for joy in the womb. Think about that. A fetus was the first one to leap for joy over Jesus. How important are fetuses? Oh, Elderly mother-to-be who, had, who was barren all of her life, she shouts this, this welcome to Mary, and she includes things in it that she would have no way of knowing. I mean, the Holy Spirit gave her um, the knowledge, the wisdom of what was going on in the moment. And then this young teenage girl in crisis, she sings a song about the crisis. She's having a baby and she's believing that this was the Son of God. This was the promised Messiah that had been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years that they were clinging to, all the Israelites. So each one of those things happens because the presence of God is revealed to them. The unborn presence of Jesus makes the unborn John the Baptist do the flip. Elizabeth's divine knowledge of God's presence in Mary's life has her shouting and Mary's confirmation that what God was doing in her life meant that God was with her and that causes a song of praise. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Now, the Christmas story, it provides this evidence for Psalm 1611. Not that we need evidence, but Psalm 1611, there's evidence right here that it is absolutely true. And so if that is true, then it should change, it should help us adjust our lives in the pursuit of joy. In fact, it ought to change our pursuit. That we aren't trying to go after joy anymore, but we are trying to go after the presence of God. And let the joy come after that. 
Now, it shouldn't be too surprising that the pursuit of joy doesn't produce joy. People all through history have recorded their experiences of trying to produce or trying to pursue joy and then not getting it. King Solomon was one of those. You remember him. King Solomon, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest person who ever lived. He wrote in, in uh, chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes all of these different ways that he was pursuing joy, pursuing happiness or fulfillment. He wanted to find meaning. Happiness was one of those things that he was pursuing. He tried pleasure, wealth, women, entertainment, his estate, and his enterprise. He tried all of those things, and he was able to say, I had everything a man could desire. Oh, I mean, just imagine that. And then he, wrote, he goes on in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. He says, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. He believed that the wisest man who ever lived, who tried the pursuit of happiness better than anyone could have ever tried it, came up with this. It's not filling me up. It's meaningless. So if we're going to find joy uh, this Christmas, we can't put all the effort into finding joy. We can't make all the all the stuff that we do, you know, the meals, the movies, the laughter, you know, the gatherings, all those things, whether they're on your calendar or not. We can't just like try, go over the top and say, this is how we get joy this Christmas. Because Solomon tells us it doesn't work. It's going to end up meaningless. But we can put extra effort into running after God's presence. We can be intentional about seeking him during this COVID crisis. Now, I, I believe Psalm 1611. I believe that. There's strong evidence that the pursuit of joy doesn't produce joy, and there is strong evidence that God's presence will. So Christmas really can rescue us from this crisis if we turn our hearts toward pursuing Emmanuel, God with us. It'll bring fullness of joy. You know, God with us is worth pursuing with all of our energy, all of our time, all of our talents, all of it. It is worth pursuing. And you know what happens if we do that? I mean, if we really go for it, you know what happens? Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, When you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Fullness of joy. Now, there's going to be a number of ways that you can do that. Right after we dismiss and we go about our week, there'll be a number of ways that you can go about pursuing God's presence. And, you know, we think about, of course, you know, time at home alone with God. And we sit there with his word and we pray and talk to him and he talks to us. And we get the Christmas tree, you know, we, we got that extra ambiance, you know, right now. It's, it's, it's really good. You, and you, you can do that. Uh, you, you can go and pursue God's presence by going and having spiritual conversations with people who aren't believing like we are. You know, and, and looking for those opportunities to bring Jesus up. I mean, anytime I have an opportunity to point somebody toward God and Christ that, I, that doesn't know Him, and there's, a, there's fullness of joy right after that. He's there. He's in the middle of that conversation. There'll be an opportunity to, to go serve Him. You know, and when you're out there giving yourself away for Him, you know, an act of worship, I believe He's there, He's watching, He's smiling, He's singing over you. And when you do that, it'll be fullness of joy. Even if you're cleaning toilets. All of those things. 
opportunities that you've got coming up. But right now we got an opportunity to do something that we don't have during the rest of the week. Because we're all together. And that is to participate in a supper of joy. A supper of joy. Last week we didn't get to have communion. We usually celebrate the Lord's Supper on the, on the first Sunday of the month. And so I wanted us to have this opportunity uh, this week uh, to do it. And I got to thinking about how God shows up in a special way during our times of remembering. Remembering what Jesus uh, has done for us. And it caused me to really miss, I'll call it the old way of doing communion. You know, when we would uh, be able to come up to the altar and kneel together as families and and take the elements and be remembering Jesus and, and what he did for us. You know, I can't tell you how many times when I'm sitting up here on the front row and I, I could witness the body of Christ remembering Jesus, how I had a moment of joy. I mean, it happens not, I mean, it's just not like a one-time thing. It happens again and again that, that, uh, that, that he is here with us. And so it got me to wondering, is there a promise in the Bible that speaks to God's special presence when we have the Lord's Supper? You know, so I started digging around a little bit and I found something that I think, I think it's okay to claim. I, I, I think it is. So this is it's back in Exodus 20. Back in Exodus 20, God is beginning to give his people the laws that they're going to establish their community on. So he gives them the Ten Commandments. And then he goes from the Ten Commandments, he goes to these laws about altars. And in the middle of this paragraph about altars, there's this promise. It's Exodus 24, Exodus 20, verse 24. And it says, in every place that I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. In every place that I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and I will bless you. Now, the the people of Israel, they've been rescued from Egypt. You know, they've gone through the Red Sea. Um, So they've been, they've gone through that miraculous rescue. They celebrated their first Passover and they were told to celebrate that every year, remembering what God had done, how He passed over them, you know, to to free them from from Egypt. Uh, They're receiving bread from heaven every day and they're seeing water come out of rocks to, to give them, to give them water. They've been rescued from an enemy already in, in Amalek. And where they are right now during Exodus 20 is they're encamped around the mountain of God, Sinai. And, and God is coming down on, on the mountain. So there's fire and thunder and cloud of smoke on this mountain. So that's like the setting that they're getting these laws. And I thought, man, what a wonderful promise given to this newly established community of God. Um, when they worship God, when they remember all the things that he's done for them, he says, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to bless you. Now, that's a promise that was given to them. You know, the, 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 the old covenant people. Uh, wasn't for the new covenant people. But I still think it's okay for us to look at that promise and to cling to it when we do our own remembering of what Jesus has done in our life. And here's why I think that. Because Jesus, he is the one who fulfilled all of that law. He didn't throw it out. He just, he just fulfilled it. And then he's the one who took the elements of the Passover meal and repurposed them to give to us to then remember him. 
And so he did those things. So he's the one who has authority all over all of that. He is the one who has the authority over Exodus 20, 24. And so I believe it's okay for us to cling to that promise. Because in the New Testament it says, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so that's what makes this a supper of joy. That when we take these communion elements and we remember what Jesus has done, he comes to us in a special way and he blesses us. So we're going we're gonna to pause here and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And I want to encourage you online, um, if, if you would take some time later today, maybe at lunch right after your service, just take some bread or, so, or something like that and a cup and set those aside and just take a moment to remember what Jesus has done for you. You know, communion at Christmas is is a unique opportunity because it's this time that we get to take these these uh, these elements and we we hold them in one hand, but we're holding them right up next to the manger and we're looking at this perfect child who was sent to die for us. You know, Jesus' suffering it did not begin at the cross with the nails. It began in the womb. When God was being formed into a human being. When he was putting on our skin. And so the manger is is the first stop on the way to the cross. On that difficult road to the cross for the God-man called Emmanuel. And we think about it. He left his place in heaven. And he came down to live with us. He experienced our life. He experienced hunger and thirst and weariness and growing pains. He came to be tempted, to be hurt, to be denied and betrayed. Hebrews tells us that we don't have a high priest who can't relate to us and we can't relate to him. He lived our life. He he went through everything that we are going through. Jesus was one of us. He was among us. And as we remember him, like he told us to do, he is with us. Now, normally, when I uh, lead into communion, I'll read some words, Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 11. But I stop short, and I, and I don't read some other things, uh, usually. Uh, but I'm going to do that today, because we have some time to do it. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 29, it says this, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So, we don't usually get to read those. And as as you read those in context of the whole chapter and what was going on in the Corinthian church... Um, you know, there's some question about, you know, what that means. And it sounds really important, right? doesn't mean we don't want to be doing this. So the Corinthians, they were kind of turning the Lord's table into a wild party. And they were getting drunk and they weren't, you know, there wasn't food to eat for everybody. And so there wasn't any reverence and awe during their, during their Lord's table. And so that's what it meant for them. And for us, it can mean some various things. So for, for us, um, taking... The Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So it could be just going through the motions of communion is not worthy remembering. You know, harboring bitterness toward another Christian and then taking communion is not worthy 
remembering. Hiding your sins from God, you know, not being honest with Him. Staying in the bushes like Adam did while God's calling out to you. And then going to the Lord's Supper and remembering how Jesus died for you is not worthy remembering. There's, there's some other things that you could probably come up with. Remembering is about honoring Jesus. It's about honoring Him. It's, and it's about personalizing the sacrifice that was made. For us. You know that that cross was my cross. And Jesus took it for me. His blood should have been my blood. All of that is personally. You personalize the sacrifice. And then you remember too that. You're not worthy to come to the table. You're not worthy to pick up the elements. There's nothing in our lives that makes us worthy to do this. And you also remember that Jesus was the only one who was worthy. And this is what he did for us. And that's why we remember and worship and adore him. And so we want to go through this examination of ourselves before we remember so we can give a worthy remembering. And what that does then is opens up the door for the presence of Jesus to come in a, in a special way to be with us. Now, there's a singer, singer-songwriter named Michael Card. And uh, he, he's not making music anymore, at least new music. Um, but he did a song many years ago called Come to the Table. And I've always appreciated it with his music the, the way that he honored God and, and the way that he wrote about him and, and sung about him. And he wrote this song, Come to the Table, in response to a service that he was in that caused him to, to go to... To be, to be go into more of a worthy remembering when he celebrated the Lord's Supper. So he was in that service, he was convicted about some things, and then this song was the result. I want to play it for us, and, and uh, let that be a time for us to do a little self-examination and to prepare us for this supper of joy. Let's watch.
Before you can accept that invitation, you need to accept Jesus. You need to ask Him to come into your life. You know, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So it says, believe in Him and receive Him in. Those, those two things will change your life today. If you do those things, what do we what do we believe in? We believe in that Jesus is the Son of God who came as a baby to live our life, but without sin. He came to give Himself over to be crucified as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. We believe that that sacrifice was for us. It was for me, for my sins, and He did it because He loved me, even though I'd broken every commandment. He loved me. And wanted to be with me forever. We believe that. We believe he rose from the grave. Proving he was the son of God. And that when we believe in him. We put our lives in his hands. We'll overcome the grave too. We'll beat death. Because Jesus has already done that. That's the believing. And believing then leads to receiving Receiving Him into our lives. Asking Him to come in. Asking Him to take the lead. You know, saying, Lord, I've messed this thing up in the lead. You take that spot. I'm following you now. Believe in Him and receive Him in. You can do that today, coming to His table. If you need to do that. And if you do that today for the first time, you'll be born again. Your sins will be um, removed as far as the east is from the west. 
And you'll leave a new person full of joy. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, after we pray, I'll let you guide yourself through taking the the elements this morning. For this is what the Lord Himself has said about His table, and I've passed it on to you before: that on the night when Judas betrayed Him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when He had given thanks to God for it, He broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, "Take this and eat it." This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Jesus, we come to your table this morning to remember what you have done for us. Thank you for this invitation. We know that we are not worthy. But we come because you are. And we long for your presence with us as we ask you to remove any obstacle in us that stands in the way of being in your presence, experiencing fullness of joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Supper of joy. And before we sing some praises to God, I want to close with uh, remembering some promises of joy. <clears throat> now, it's true in the Bible that God never promises us happiness in uh, this life. This isn't the place that, you know, that he says, he doesn't say, believe in me and, and all's gonna be well here. You'll be healthy, wealthy, happy. He never says that, but he does say, over and over again, I will be with you. His son was named Emmanuel, God with us. So I wanna give you ten promises of God's faithful presence to us in different situations, and we're gonna read through them together, and I'm gonna read the situation. And you're going to read the promise of I will be with you together. All right, so here, <clears throat> here we go. These are the promises. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Psalm 23, 4. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Matthew 18, 20. When you are confronting sin, I will be with you. Psalm 34, 18. When you are brokenhearted, Joshua 1 9, no matter where you go. Psalm 91, verse 15, when you are in trouble. 1 Corinthians 10 13, when you are being tempted. Hebrews 13 6, when you are afraid. Psalm 41, verse 3, when you are sick. And Psalm 27, verse 10, when you are alone. So each one of those we can hold on to, we can cling to, we can receive comfort from and strength from. Each one of them can potentially turn a stressful, dangerous, worrisome, fearful situation into a moment of fullness of joy because of God's presence. 
And when we find ourselves in those kinds of circumstances, circumstances that we would rather not be in, we want to remember God's promise to us. I will be with you. And that can turn it into a moment of joy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. Your promises of presence. And no matter where we go, you're going to be with us. No matter what we go through, you're going to be with us. And no matter what we do, you're going to get us home. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Coming and living our life. Coming and knowing what we would go through and doing it perfectly. Thank you for giving your life so that we could have life. So we, Lord, ask that the Holy Spirit would fill us this morning as we go back out into our world, into the homes and neighborhoods and workplaces that we are, that we're living and moving. And we pray, Lord, that you would guide us there, that you'd shine through us, that you'd use our hands, our feet, our voice to be your witness, your your hands, your feet, your voice. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a good week.